The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Opening night, it's here. Tuesday, October 19, 2021, we return to a semblance of normalcy with a pandemic still kind of hanging over everything, but an 82-game season that starts on the, what is this, the third Tuesday in October. Ah, it feels so good. So, uh, spoketh the legendary sage Chuck Mangione. Should have opened the show with that jam. Does anybody remember the scene in Steven Seagal's Hard to Kill where Chuck Mangione is blasting over his convertible car stereo as Seagal plans how he's going to avenge avenge the death of his wife and child? It's quite a sequence. Anyway, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. Opening night, just a few short hours away. A couple of games coming up this evening on TNT. Baseball playoffs are going on also. It's a wing-ding of a damn day, and I am just so freaking happy that we are back back it's basketball time you turds (laughs) it's basketball time oh boy brooklyn at milwaukee warriors at lakers we'll be having our first what to watch for segment on the podcast today we pioneered that a few years ago on twitter actually and uh, the great josh lloyd asked if he could start doing it i said of course imitation is the greatest form of flattery He's probably doing a better job with it than I am these days. But now it's something that's become pretty commonplace. Most folks actually didn't ask me if they could do it. Not the point. Point is, we're going to be doing that on today's show. It'll be our first one of those. Um, I actually sort of called it homework. I didn't. I called it what to watch for on Twitter when I started doing it. But on the podcast, we called it homework. Your homework for the night. When we pick out particular things to look at, to really sort of train our focus on the most important pieces of fantasy information uh, coming down the chute. We also have some breaking NBA news that just swamped Twitter first thing this morning. That is around Ben Simmons. And then the biggest news of the day, the Hoop Ball 6 with Aaron Bruski. That's coming up on today's podcast. Brew's favorite draft targets of this year. And uh, we'll explain what the hoop ball six is when we get into that segment. First things first, Ben Simmons. What the hell, man? What the hell? Kicked out of practice earlier today and suspended for one day, which whatever the hell that means. We don't know if, if that means he's playing in the Sixers' first game, which is not tonight. That's tomorrow. But regardless, it's an absolute mess. And I think we wondered, I can't remember if I did this on social media or here on the podcast, but I definitely wondered aloud somewhere how on earth that relationship could be mended. This was someone who was willing to just sit out until the Sixers says, okay, fine, you sit out, you ain't getting paid. And then he showed up to collect the paycheck. Remember when Rasheed Wallace said, long as they CTC, long as they cut the check? He was being a bit facetious because he actually was still trying. Ben Simmons, not trying. Refused to participate in various team activities at practice. He was told to go home. 
And I don't know if you see him on the court for the Sixers at any point. So that is really interesting because early in draft season, we didn't know anything was going on in Philadelphia. Then midway through draft season, it was Ben Simmons is holding out and we targeted Matisse Thibel and Tyrese Maxey got picked up in a bunch of spots as well. Then it was Ben Simmons showed up to Philadelphia. Nobody knew he was coming and suddenly he was just a, a part of things again. And now we're back to Ben Simmons is suspended is he coming back? Personally, I think you've got to have Thibel on your team at this point because we're now, he's he's sort of engaged, get me out of Houston, James Harden, get me out of Phoenix, Eric Bledsoe, in terms of just making life so miserable for the people around him that you have to just take the hit and get rid of him, get whatever you can hang on as long as possible. You certainly can't let him come back. I don't think you can let him come back with the team. Like, unless he shows up with just this magical, fixed attitude, which I don't see coming, that's the only way. So Thibault, who slides most likely into Simmons' spot on the floor, he's sort of the easiest positional fix for Philadelphia because he can guard the guys that Simmons was guarding, and he's also very good defensively. So you don't... The loss there is not as significant as the loss on the offensive side, and that's why everybody's like, oh, pick up Tyrese Maxey, because he's going to have to take some shots. He's going to have to create a little bit. Honestly, I think you just see even more Joel Embiid on the creation side. They're just going to run every possession through Embiid when he's on the floor, and when he's not, uh, that's when you maybe get a chance to see Maxey do a little bit more. Uh, Tobias Harris is better not as a primary creator. But he's obviously, and I mean, he's been one of our guys for three, four years now on this podcast, but he's locked into a fantastic role at the moment while everything is just hovering in the balance. But Thibault, when he plays starters minutes, he is a I can win you these two categories kind of guy. He could legitimately go two steals, one and a half blocks in starters minutes. He could be one of those. And there, are, there aren't many people. We've, we've done this analysis in the offseason, although we can flip it into this show pretty quickly here because a lot of people are listening now that, say, weren't listening in August. You can do the exercise. Go to your computer, pull up the list of players, and try to find anybody who has more than three combined defensive stats. The list is obscenely low. It's mostly guys who block a ton of shots. Miles Turner, because he blocked 3.4, so he was already there by himself. Rudy Gobert, because he blocked 2.7, so the steals was at 0.5. Nerlens Noel last year was at 1.1 steals, 2.2 blocks. And that was it. In terms of guys who got it on the shot-blocking side. Guys who got it on the steals side? um, Nobody. Nobody, because the big steals guys didn't block that many shots in general. Even Anthony Davis was only at 2.9 last year. The other thing you guys should consider when I bring up this, like, who got close to having three or more combined defensive stats, Anthony Davis was very close. He was number 29 last year, which was a down season for him because, mostly because of free throws, but also because his blocks were down. JJJ, in extraordinarily limited minutes, uh, combined for 2.7 defensive stats last year. Mitchell Robinson was at 2.7 before he got hurt. Turner, as we mentioned, Gobert, Noel, 
the common thread here, Chris Boucher, 2.5, Jakob Pertl, 2.5. But again, these guys all did it pretty much with the shot blocking. Time Lord, 2.6. Common thread here, not one of these guys was outside the top 100. Every single one of those players was inside the top 100. It is really hard not to make the top 100 when you are that big of a positive in one, maybe even two defensive categories because of how hard those stats are to find. Miles Turner was roughly five times better in shot blocking than the average top 150 fantasy player. There is no one else in any category in the NBA who comes even close to being five times the league average in anything. Nobody. The closest few, Steph with five and a half three-pointers a game, Capella and Gobert at about 14 rebounds per game. Those guys are like three and a half times. Or the value, I shouldn't say times, that's that's inaccurate. It, it has to do with what you're getting out of a particular spot on your roster. Uh, Westbrook, Harden, were in the sort of three or more better three players worth of assists. And steals, you basically had Jimmy Butler. At 2.1 steals, that was, you know, a really big deal. But that's, again, that's the point. These guys that can get you, like if if Thibel, and the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because he totally changes the end of a draft. Thibel last year in 20 minutes a game averaged 2.7 combined defensive stats. He was in the top 140 with, listen to this, averages in the other statistical categories of four points, two rebounds, and one assist. He was a ghost at every other thing on the basketball court, and he was still ranked higher than John Morant last year in nine-category leagues. And I get turnovers had a role to play in that, but think about how completely insane that is. What if his minutes trended up from 20 to 26? What if you threw another 30% on everything that happened there. And I don't know that his usage on the offensive side is ever really going to change all that much. And frankly, I don't care about his points, rebounds, and assists. I'd be happy if his points went from four to five and change and his rebounds went from two to, you know, two and a half. But that doesn't change things very much. What does is 2.7 defensive stats going to three and a half. 1.6 steals becoming 2.1, like Jimmy Butler. 1.1 blocks becoming 1.4 or 1.5. That puts him elite in both. That's Anthony Davis, Nerland's Noel territory. And with that alone, he's a top 75 fantasy player. So I think Matisse Thibel right now must own fantasy player. Must roster. Sorry, I don't really want to do the own thing. That's what that we're done with that. That's a stupid word. We're not using it anymore. Must roster Matisse Thibel. And we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. It feels like the guys that have been uh, considered in Ben Simmons' trade rumors have generally been shooting guard types. It's not all of them, but it's a lot of them. That would put a bigger dent into Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey than it would Thibel. So this could actually shake out in kind of a cool and meaningful way for him, and I think that's the move you got to make at the weirdness of the morning news. 
Folks, last chance here before the season starts. Please drop a five-star review and subscribe to Fantasy NBA Today. I'd love to have you guys around for the duration of the season. Yes, we're going 31 shows in 31 days here the month of October. It was stupid. I should have done 31 shows or 30 shows in 30 days leading up to the start of the season, but I'm dumb, and I started it too late. So we're going to have weekend shows the first two weekends of the regular season. Oops. And then we'll go back to normal, most likely, in November. But that's rolling on here. Uh, the YouTube channel is bustling here at HoopBall. But again, the way that we can continue to grow things at HoopBall, and you guys, look, I love it when you guys get subscriptions to the Fantasy Pass or Draft Guide or B150 or whatever at HoopBall, at hoop-ball.com. But the thing that moves the needle for me personally and then has this big kind of macro piece to it is if this podcast continues to grow, that helps grow HoopBall. It brings in new more advertisers so you don't have to listen to like six different ones you can just get one really big one in a show that type of stuff all these things are critical to me so please i beg of you if you have a moment hit the subscribe button help us tell someone about the show the fantasy podcast is an idiotic business model because when you guys discover it you don't want to tell the people you're playing against but please do if only so that they can leave a five-star review i don't actually care if they listen to it forever i'd love if they did and I get it, you don't want to lose your advantage, but we do need your help continuing to spread the word on Fantasy NBA Today and HoopBall as a whole, so please drop a five-star review. Uh, please follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. That's another way that I can sort of continue to reach more people, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And you can hit me up over there, by the way, if you're interested in working with us here at HoopBall. We're looking for team coverage podcasters, we're looking for fantasy writers, DFS writers, and salespeople. So bug me on Twitter, at Dan Bespers, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com now. Let me set the stage for what's about to happen. Oh, well, first, um, Hark, what's that I hear? Arf, 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 Hark, a dog call in the distance. Uh, it's the big dog, and I'm going to be asking him a question here in just a moment. The great Aaron Bruski. Um... But I want to set the stage before I even officially introduce you and say hello. Today's the day. The season begins. It's basketball time. And I, I find it hilarious that I have to do this same bit every year. But I must remind all of you that what you're about to hear comes out after the season starts every year. And yet somehow every season everybody's like, where is it? Where is my drum roll? Hoop ball six. The hoop ball six. The hoop ball six. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, if you want to find the hoop ball six and you have the Brewski 150, you can probably figure it out. But here's the thing it's a retrospective on Brew's favorite draft values that basically compare ADP to rankings. And today on the pod, we're breaking down the hoop ball six. So now the stage is set. Aaron Bruski, the legend himself, welcome back to the show. Good day to you, big dog. You know, I wasn't really awake, but now I'm fired up. Yeah, well, you know, I got a baby asleep in the next room. I, broadcaster tricks is sound very excited without making too much noise. It's not easy. I like to just make a lot of noise, but we, we do what we can here. Um, so let's, first of all, you can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Bruski, A-A-R-O-N-B-R-U-S-K-I. Don't overcomplicate it. Brew, let's just... Go head first into the deep end here at the risk of snapping our necks on the pool floor. 
Uh, who's Hoopball 6 player number one? Wow. Well, you know, the, the thing you mentioned about, like, it's a retrospective. I, I honestly didn't know who the Hoopball 6 was until uh, the night before we're recording this, which is uh, here on Sunday. So, um, and, and why is I needed to participate in enough uh, high impact, high leverage, high stakes drafts to really figure out where are our guys at? You know, like is the player that we think is a hoop ball six candidate? Are they really a hoop ball six candidate or hoop ball eight? I don't know if you're going to break that news on this pod here. <laughs> we um, can, but, but basically you gotta, it, it, it's like, who did you eventually ride or die with? Like who were those guys? So um, I had candidates upon candidates upon candidates upon candidates and it eventually came down to kind of the same things as normal is who was moving the needle big time and and i like to include somebody from the early rounds you know sort of like a buzz guy and i couldn't do that this year i I do have one candidate or, or two actually that can climb really, really high or, or actually two members, I should say of the hoop ball six, but because of so many guys you could get in the late round that are either right on the edge of top 50 or just below that. I, I had to include a lot of those guys. So is that enough him and Han? Yes. You've, I... you've hemmed and you've hawed. Now give me the good stuff. Well, let's go. I want to go to my list because I put these in order in a special way. I, I wanted to make sure that they were they were the, that the first one hit you real hard, and and that one's Mikkel Bridges. Mm, yeah, and so the fun, the weird thing about that, and I'm gonna I want to get your breakdown on it is how did he end up where he ended up? Like this this felt like a guy who couldn't possibly, and I had this same thought about a number of guys every year. I have this same thought, but by totals last year, he was a first rounder. He was number twelve last season. And he's still going at like 50 or 55 sometimes. I've 60. even gotten him later. And it's those are not the, the, the cream of the crop leagues, but the cream of the crop leagues, yeah, generally in that 40 to 50 range. And and, and even cheaper in the FBA. Now, it admittedly, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, it, it was wild. It was wild. Um, so I have all sorts of thoughts on it. Um, sounds like you had one right now. Well, I mean, if you want to, yeah, like, go ahead, honestly. I was just going to say, yeah, like, I, his, his 72 games played last year was a big deal. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to touch yeah. on the durability thing in a minute. Um, but how, how does a guy like that end up getting... He was 44 9-cat on a per-game basis last year. How does a guy like that end up getting drafted a round to a round and a half, not only back of their per-game mark from the previous season, but now four rounds back of their totals mark? How does that even happen? I think it's what happens when you have a deep team that people saw a ton of and they see guys like Chris Paul with that name value and they're asking themselves, is Chris Paul going to be an early rounder? Is Chris Paul going to be a top 25? Is he going to be a top 15? Because he kind of always sneaks in. Or not always, but you know, he has that tendency in recent years to be way more valuable. So if you have that kind of value and then you have Devin Booker, who's considered the best player on the team, and you look and you go DeAndre Ayton's right there and you know, and they're just really deep all over the place. And unless you watch games, and this is a big difference between box score watching and, and actual film watching. I mean, you've seen Mikhail Bridges just blossom. And for the last two years, I've been saying he's going to have a Kawhi Leonard like career. Now, is he going to become the best player in the NBA 
that that Kawhi ended up doing. That's a really that's a high bar to clear, obviously, but he can do almost everything on the floor. In fact, he could do more now than what Kawhi could do when he was he was knocking on the door of the top three players in the NBA. Offensively, he can do more than Kawhi did at that point in time. Defensively, I don't know that he has sort of this overall strength and um, tenacity package. It's mostly the strength because I don't think um, you know he's dogging it by any means on defense. But like he relies a lot on his length and, and, and his ability to just sort of cover a ton of ground. But he has defensive player of the year potential. So when you look at any configuration of the Suns, this is a guy that they're going to want on the floor kind of no matter what. And offensively, he's added so much to his repertoire that as Chris Paul becomes sort of a guy that can't do anything but orchestrate, they're going to keep shoveling him usage. And even if he has moderate gains in usage, that's going to be amazing looking. And then if they actually tap into the whole thing, that's when you've got even more upside than I've kind of planned in. But I had him at top 12 in nine cat and uh, top 25 in eight cat. You actually answered the question I was going to ask, by the way, which was even if he makes no improvements, he's still ahead of where he's getting drafted. But it sounds like you have him making small improvements on top of that. I, small improvements would be like a disappointing year in, in all of the context. And he still and beats I it. Think he's Even with to, small, he probably yeah, still, he still beats it. And he still beats it with that small piece right there. But but you're looking at a guy who's the, the jump offensively that he has already made but hasn't really realized. But the, the next jump that he's going to realize one way or another, <laughs> you're not that's gonna not what just games. broke. Can you please check your Twitter to see what just broke while we're talking? I, I want. I, I want you, your. You scare me. You no, scare me when these. It's things. hilarious and it's perfect. It will not scare you. It will make you laugh out loud on the pod. <laughs> we did not. We did not plan this. I'm gonna. So people can now. They can know the timestamp. We're recording this at about yeah. lunchtime on Sunday. As we record this segment, Woj tweets, and this news all and have honestly, probably broken I wish they on a pod. Yeah, come on, you jerks. I, is... I have a couple more drafts to go here. <laughs> well, he just agreed to a $90 million four-year extension. The the Mikhail Bridges we're talking about right now, we spoke it into existence, Brew, even though this isn't going to this is going to well, air to the public for another two days. <laughs> this, is a, this is a ridiculous steal. Like, That's incredible absurd, timing. This is an absurd contract. Like, he should fire his agent. Like, maybe the money doesn't matter. Maybe playing in Phoenix is, you know. 90's pretty good. He's, 90's all he's right. locking down. Oh, no. Nah. Well, I mean, but this is the difference if I was running a team or, you know, if these guys were running a team. I, I would make sure that his representation knew that we would go up to 25. I mean, mm. I, I, that, I could easily do 25. You know, lock, lock that in. And that would be an average contract by the time he's winning Defensive Player of the Year and also you know, starting to have that Kawhi-esque discussion around him as one of the top, say, 12 players in the game. Okay. But that's just, uh, we got to go to, we got to go to the next guy. We could do a whole, on. we could do a whole Thank piece. Thank you, Woj, of, for ruining yeah. my drafts. Well, still funny. Um, regardless, I can't believe that happened. Let's see if it happens with the next guy we talk about. Two in a row? <laughs> yeah, let's see. Well, I think this dude already signed a contract. Who's player number two? And this is, by the way, not in any particular order, correct? We're just going... No, I'm, this is the order from the article. Um, 
I, I, I want, you know, some real rock solid, like these are guarantees. I, I it, it feels funny to say, but these are guarantees. TJ McConnell. Is yeah, the next I totally, one. totally agree on that one too. I can't, at some point we might find one where I'll give you a little minor pushback, but it's not going to be this one. TJ's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and this is another one where I wished that it wasn't so obvious, like that there was more Karis Levert health and that there was, you know, just this team in general, you know, um, TJ Warren, you know, could he have somehow had a better prognosis to cloud to muddy the waters a bit because it became really obvious that TJ McConnell's going to get, I think most people out there are like, he's going to get like 24 minutes, you know, bring in sort of similar stats that, but if, if it was similar stats, he would be obviously what he did last year, which was amazing. Yeah. Again, which, that's still blowing the ADP out of the water, even with no, change at all he was 72 per game and i think he was right around top 50 overall on totals right yeah and the sharks were swimming so like the price was not what i would have liked it to have been and you know that couldn't stop me from having him as a lock because even at his aggressive price which was sort of in the hundreds uh, would you say you're seeing him going in the hundreds, nineties? Yeah, I, I actually haven't I been mean, in a draft where he's like gone. Last round. Yeah, uh, even still, I don't think I've been in a draft where he's gone before ninety five, and most of the time he's closer to one fifteen still. So not, I mean, obviously earlier than one forty, but still pretty late, tenth round well, kind of range. He got the money, you know, in his contract. And and so now it's like they got to play him no matter what. And he was always making a case to play 30-plus minutes anyway. He's hard to cover offensively. Defensively, he, of course, he gets steals, you know, for fantasy managers. But he's not giving up positioning too often to get those steals. And, and he's just he just makes the case to stay on the floor all the time. And so he's way better than people give him credit for. And he's going to crush his ADP as a guarantee. And it, I have him close to the top 50. So, I mean, just take it to the bank at that point. I want you to know I've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've done eight cash league drafts at this point, and I haven't been five of them. So I'm very much on board with the TJ McConnell freight train. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities uh, not so much in the in the actual fantasy game of McConnell and Bridges, but just in the in the and this is actually my reasoning on Chris Paul the last couple of years. This season's been a little bit different, and and he's now being moved around by Yahoo's pre ranks anyway. But the last two years, my handicap on Chris Paul was: look, even if everything goes wrong, meaning if everything stays like exactly the same as a bad case scenario, minus a catastrophic injury. That's the one thing you always have to put that caveat in there. That could happen to anyone. You can't really handicap for a catastrophic injury. If everything stayed the same for these guys, TJ McConnell, Mikhail Bridges, they're still being drafted way later than where they finished the previous year by both averages and totals. I just, I know that their games aren't sexy. And I guess the, the, the similarity brew is just that neither one of them scores that much. And it's why I always end up with like a bottom three scoring team in Roto that wins like six categories because everybody wants points all the time. And these guys that are Mikel Bridges first freaking rounder last year, McConnell, like fourth rounder, fifth rounder, 
nobody pays any attention to them because they're not scoring 18 points a game. Is that preach? Is that it? Preach, brother, preach. That is. I mean, All there's right. a lot there, and and there's also challenges that a lot of B150 hoop ball teams have to overcome, and that's that we get so much value opposite the public. So you got to figure out what you want to do with that, and it actually gets to the point. Like I sent you my draft the other day. I can predict my draft. Yeah, your draft board's insane looking, by the way. I wish you guys could see. I don't know if there's any way you could like put out like a, a redacted version of the crazy color-coded Excel. The whole page, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want them to see the color coding. That's really all I want the people the to color see. color coding is like the, the weakest point, Dan. There, I know. There's like, a, there's like a flow to the whole thing. <laughs> it's really bruising insane. It's, it's art. But then I'm insane. I don't, I don't want to. You can you divulge. You know that's how they do it in the real deal. Yeah, you're a crazy person, though. And you're in drafts where one buy-in in one of your leagues is as much as, like, all of mine put together and probably five times what most people do on all of their drafts put together. Well, so you can't, yeah, you can't gotta, screw around. I got to hand it to him. Like, there was a couple moments in this last FBA draft where I, like, was just, like, it, my jaw hit the ground. Like, the, the thinking behind the thinking behind the thinking, it was, it was really fun to be a part of. Is this, I think I asked you this before, but don't you feel like it just gets, it gets harder to beat people every year? People have gotten smarter. It really, there is like so much discussion that needs to take place on that topic and, and sort of like, what's the zig to the zag and, you know, it's a copycat league and, mm. Oh know, yeah, just, we got to do a show on that. Can we do a show on that maybe next week or maybe yeah, yeah, maybe when we hit the first lull, like a few weeks into the season after all the crazy early pickups and drops, because I keep... I keep preaching to people that we got to find the next zag. Five years ago, the zag was punt turnovers. Everybody, that was like the first move. Now everybody's punting turnovers. If you're in a nine cat league and you're not punting turnovers in head to head, well, they're punting in roto. Yeah, I don't agree with it, but no, that's what I. I think some of them are doing it to see if they can take a like take a shot at the sharks, but then the sharks are doing it too. So it's it's crazy. You got it. You have to find the next angle. I really like Adam King talking about the the positional punt, and that's something we can get into on another <laughs> yeah, day. Also, yeah, I saw you guys talking about that, and yeah. I, I was laughing because I was like, "Yep." <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to take a swing at it. I did it um, yesterday again. I'm I'm doesn't really matter what yesterday was for the the evergreen element to this podcast, but I was in two snake drafts, fast snake drafts, simultaneously on Saturday night. And by the way, that's a that's a great way to screw up two teams at the same time. Uh, but I felt like the only way I could get through it, one was head-to-head, one was Roto, was pay very close attention to the Roto draft and do some obscene punt in the head-to-head because then I could make up my board. And when I came back to looking at the head-to-head draft window, I didn't have to figure out who was off the board. Like, if, if you're trying to build a team where you're good at everything, you have to know every single player that's being taken during a draft to know when you can make your move on a particular spot. But if you're punting, you can just be like, all right, screw it. Like, I don't care if these 35 guys are gone. They mean nothing to me. And so we'll see. I may have screwed up two teams or they might have ended up fine. Regardless, player number three, hoop ball, hoop ball, Patrick, hoop ball three. This, this is this hoop ball I, three. This one I love. This one was just, this was amazing. Patrick Williams. Okay. Explain thank this you, one Patrick to me. Patrick Williams. Explain this one okay, to me. Thank you, Patrick his... Williams for being injured throughout the preseason. <laughs> and, and, and this is, this, and this was another one where a couple of the Sharks really took me to task, and I hate you, Sharks. I hate you. Um, because I didn't end up getting him in this one particular draft. And so anyway, all right, Patrick Williams, like, watching him 
you kept saying to yourself last year, like, what's this dude's ceiling? Like he has this ability to move on the floor. He's got a strength size kind of leaping package that you look at and you go, you could cover LeBron, like, you know, give it a couple years, you know, get, get a little bit more weight and like you could cover a LeBron <laughs> yeah, and get LeBron on the other side of 40. And now we're good. Yeah. LeBron's LeBron. And the, the thing about LeBron is that the older he gets, the heavier he gets. So he just turns into a way better Carl Malone. Um, <laughs> But and then that's like impossible for this league to cover because everybody's gone small and you know, stretch this, stretch that. Yeah. But so Patrick Williams, though, just in a vacuum, has really been begging to get more involved on the offensive side. Defensively, he's really rock solid. You know what you're getting there. There's gonna be some improvements there. Uh, I do like the 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 way that this team has come together from a defensive standpoint. Um in terms of what it can can do to force more steals and blocks, but that's just all window dressing. Like he is going to do exactly what he did last year with improvements. And he's going to do that despite the fact all these people are joining the team. And, and those guys are going to have a lot of gravity around them and what they're doing. And, and offensively, yes, there's only one basketball and you're going to see that play out to some degree. And Zach Levine is one of the best players in the league, you know, so his usage, it'll be interesting just to see what he does, but there's a, there's not any real argument that his usage usage should go down. So you've got this log jam effect, but Patrick Williams is so good at what he currently does that the bulls are going to need him to do that sort of regardless and I'm, what I think you're going to see is his usage is actually not going to take a hit from what the guys on the perimeter are dealing with. And then the overall picture for the Bulls, he has to be on the floor 48 minutes a game. You know, that's not going to happen, obviously. But, like, they do not have a, posi- a player of his type elsewhere on the roster. And so you can't go four guards, you know, or, or three guards and, like, DeMar DeRozan you know, or, or, you know, some, some small forward that's a little bit bigger. Like they just don't have that option at power forward. So he's going to come in and play big time starters minutes and this injury. Yeah. You got to kind of pay attention to any, any injury at all, just because it could make you susceptible to more injuries, but young player locked into minutes already showing improvement, ready to hit that improvement curve. Nice and strong. To me, this was just taking candy. Do you think he can do enough um, just uh, overall to be – where? I, maybe a better way to ask that is what do you see as the, the per-game versus totals battle with him? Yeah, no. Um, I actually think it's pretty favorable. Like uh, totals you – know, as I'm like cracking open some numbers here. Totals-wise – Beep, boop, boop, like, boop, boop. Computing. And, and B50-wise, he pretty much cracked the top 50 – Wow, where 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 is where is Mr. Williams? I do not have the B one fifty open at the, the moment. For the sake of accuracy, because yeah, that's exactly what I was thought. Just out, or he's inside the top sixty and eight cat. Probably and higher than that in nine. I'm assuming he's not turning the ball over in your book very often. <laughs> no, but weird things happen in nine cat. He's he's still in the same ballpark. He's uh, fifty five. Wow, nine cat's weird though because. You know, it's another category that you bring into the mix. The whole board shuffles a little bit. Okay, so I, I, I love these first three because uh, 
they are, I think, hyper unique to Hoopball in particular. Like, I don't think I've seen any of these guys as the targets anywhere. The next three guys, I've seen two of them in other spots, and that's messing with their ADPs a little bit. And then one of them I've actually seen getting heavily faded elsewhere. So can we go out of order? Can I go... Can I do the two guys that are having their ADPs pushed a little bit, and you can tell me why it's still not high enough, and then we'll go to the guy where you're, like, fully on an island. That'll be a fun one to close on. Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, so DeAnthony Melton is the next one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to line them up here because yeah, I have the document I mean, open. So, and- like, Melton, I, I could have, like, I had Tyrese Halliburton, you know, really, like, making a case for HB6. Ooh. And, you know, then the price got high you know in 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 expert leagues i'll say because really he's not going anywhere close to where he should go anywhere else i know he's he's drafted at 50 in pretty much every draft i've done like right on the mark clockwork yeah and, and and that doesn't leave a ton of margin for him like i just think that like there's he's a special player like, so I have him at 29, I think. I'm just kind of looking from afar. This here. is Halliburton eight, we're talking about now? Yeah, Halliburton, eight cat. He's a special player. You know, it's basically like to get a player at 50 that's going to jump two rounds is a huge deal yeah. in, in fantasy leagues. And so that made him knock on the door of the HB6 or eight or whatever we're calling it. Um, but basically, it's the Kings. They could screw things up. You know, they do have a little bit of a log jam with players in general. They got a deep team this year. They love him, so they're not going to like go out of their way to screw it up. But this is Luke Walton. He's screwed things up so many different ways mm. that it's like you just like there's that little gnawing piece. Like, is he going to get screwed over somehow? And <clears throat> so he doesn't make the final cut. But you know, like um, you know, we're sitting here talking about DeAnthony Melton. Yes. How did we? How did we? How did we so, so I, oh, I, I, oh, he was the last guy in. That's right. I was like, how the hell did we start talking about Tyrese Halliburton? I need more coffee. <laughs> he also, was Tyrese was the. Season. It sounds like you Tyrese guys, was the last guy out for some level of insanity. I had a call with good friend Riaz the other, you know, a little earlier that I completely just spaced. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I think I think it sounded like Halliburton Melton was the last well, guy out. Melton Halliburton was was pretty much the last guy that, out. that didn't get in, and right. then Melton like. We've been on Melton forever, and we were on Melton last year, and he didn't play despite being one of the best net rating guys in the league, and it was just so obvious that he should have played more, and it was so obvious that there was management behind that. Like, they picked certain guys in the draft, so those guys got more minutes than they deserved, and then they had Grayson Allen, who was playing well, and he got more minutes probably than he deserved in relation to Melton being so good. I actually think Grayson Allen is going to do just fine in Milwaukee, and he's you know, had a really good start to his career. So the now you've got this situation where Dylan Brooks went down and that, I think, like stoked everybody up. And, you know, there was a lot of Melton fans out there in fantasy. So, you know, this like undercurrent of pro Melton has pushed the ADP out of what was previously probably what, 120, 130, 140, that yeah. range. Yeah. Now sort of into the hundred. Say 105, 115, 125 range is, is kind of where he's gone. Um, still, I have him higher than that. Uh, and the thing is, is now it's like once you put Melton on the floor for significant minutes, and it's probably going to be like 26 to 28 to start the season ballpark, you know, maybe they 
screw him and go 24. But you give him that much time, he's going to do what he does. And it's going to be hard to take him off the floor after that. So to me, this was the situation we've all been planning for for years is that he gets his minutes. And so I got him at 65 and eight cat. And if you're getting him at 110, that's still just a massive jump. And I thought, you know, it just wouldn't be a hoop ball six if we didn't take him. The other guy who's also had his ADP pushed up the board a little bit is Daniel Gafford, who, yeah, I mean, like, I see nothing to dislike about this. And I was frankly kind of surprised that he started as low as he did when Thomas Bryant, I think his return date is expected to be like January, February. And that's if things go according to plan. Uh, well, he's not good anyway. No. <laughs> Yeah, but they'll give him they'll give him something. Um, but it's not that big of a of a thing because this is one of those like well like the 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 beginning is is guaranteed and then all sorts of things can go favorably for him. I always think of this as like a decision tree where every decision along the way has to go the wrong way for him to only have like three months of really good value, and then if even one of those decisions goes the right way then it extends probably the rest of the year. So I'm totally with you on this one. I guess my question is more um, how high can he, like where where does the value get pinched? Because he's now, I've, I've seen him go in the double digits all of a sudden. Yeah, and, and, and that's just all gravy for us because I've got him, like these other guys, close to 50. Mm. Like what do I got him in nine cat? I got him in so, 55 and eight cat and in nine cat, I got him at 53. So so still not even close to early enough. Yeah, yeah. And I should probably have him a little higher in 9-cat. But, like, there you come up against, like, okay, here's a rock-solid player that's got, a, like, a, a role that you can't really quibble with. And there is this element of what if with Gafford. If not, I'd probably have him higher in 9-cat. Hmm. But the when you look at the team as a whole and you go, okay, so who's going to block shots here? It's him, and that's it. It ain't yeah. going to be Montrez Harrell. It ain't going to be Thomas Bryant. You know, and and Bryant defensively has gotten away with so much being on a bad team. Like he he can't cover laterally. Um, he does some good things, sort of in the in between game, and it's, uh, I don't even want to say it's like the basketball IQ stuff. He just tries hard, and that can help keep him on the floor. But he's going to have to come back from rehab, beat out a guy who's obviously better than him. You know, and once you've been given that, you know, say he, I would say he's going to get 25, 26 minutes per game, you know, as long as he can not get in his own way. This is Daniel Gafford. And then you're going to see Montrez Harrell fill the rest. You know, they'll play a little bit together for like, you know, three minutes, five minutes tops. Um, and and then Harrell is also on his last legs, man. Like he, he can be good for a, a team like this and, and fit a role and 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 still stay on the floor. But at any point in time, like if, cause defensively he can't cover. And if he's not Montrez Harrell, you know, with exclamation points everywhere else, then that defensive piece becomes such a liability. You could, you could see the case where Gafford becomes sort of like a 27 minute, 28 minute starter. Oh my and that God. Would, that, that would be crazy. That would be, yeah, that's, that's absurd. That, that's absurd. That's what everybody wants the Time Lord to be and why he's getting drafted at 45 this year. And Time Lord can't do that. No, he'll break down. Yeah, that's the, he's going to play as many minutes as his knees can handle, and that's it. And they got Big and, Al. Big Al. 
Although yeah, it sounds they, like they, they got players. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and it sounds like they're willing to run two bigs at time, but that's a discussion for another day altogether, because I want to talk about the one where you have fully faded <laughs> everyone. This one, this one really interests me in a this special crazy, way, right? This is a I... crazy one. This is like the big brewski swing of the year. And I mean, there's and, there's like 25 of those, but this is the one that jumped out to me because everyone else I've talked to has been like, I don't trust it. And you're like, F that. I like full on lean in. And I wonder like, so is, is this the reverse melted? Is it like, am I, you know, so last year I didn't like downplay Chris uh, Boucher. Like I, I was there, but I wasn't like guys were taking swings left and right. You know, taking him at like I want to say like seventy. Yeah, I, I think Doctor A was a big Chris Boucher guy last year, wasn't he? Probably it's his fault. But like, <laughs> so I mean, we've always known Boucher was crazy, like you know, per minute wise. And so I didn't get him very much anywhere. So you know, I'm like asking myself, is this because I didn't get him last year? Like you know, and you know what's going on here? But like, I watched enough of him play. And it doesn't take more than five seconds of film usually to know what a player is. But, you know, seeing him over many, many games, there were times where you asked, can anybody cover him, you know, in, in, his, in his favorite spots? Like, there's just some skill level there. And you, you go, could he be like a Giannis? And you go, no, 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 no. That's, that's way off because he's not dribbling well enough and he doesn't have the strength and he's he's way off but like that same sort of like question like what could this guy be this you don't ask that very often for too many different players and so he has that unique ability and and yes they're going back to toronto and it's sort of a reset and how much did he benefit from it being tampa ball and all that is a good question um but you know just purely looking statistically at what very likely scenarios are going to be he's still a monster and that's this injury this this hand cut you know it wasn't nothing but it just came in and it like completely wrecked the market i think people would have been getting hyped up minus that injury because they'd be like okay well he's gonna do what he did last year at minimum and and yeah there's players now in toronto you know ken birch is a quality center Scotty Barnes is going to play like five positions for those guys. Um, but you do have Siakam out, you know, and, and there's, there's like the beginnings of this, you know, Hey, Chris, go out there and show what you can do. You know, he's going to be back within a few games. Um, you know, it, it almost feels like he might not miss much time at all, if any, but he's going to be back in short order and he's going to have, in my opinion, at least 22 minutes a game to start proving himself. But if he's doing the stuff he was doing, whether it's offensively or defensively, sure, there could be like the, the one kind of counter is like, what if he decides not to block so many shots at any point in time? You know, players do tend to do that at some point in their career, but it also doesn't happen to everybody. And, you know, this is a guy who's at his peak, you know, in, in terms of age, like you might see peak Boucher in this, in this whole equation. So like, you know, the thought of this guy playing 27, 28 minutes, you know, it's not that far fetched. I mean, hell there's players in the league that are playing 32 minutes and they suck. You know, this guy has those kinds of capabilities and if it's going well, I don't see why they slow him down. It's it, to me, I, I, I just, at those low benchmarks, 
he's clearing ADP by a mile, and I'm just not seeing where the risk is. Yeah, so the Boucher thing, I've been trying to figure this one out myself. Even before the injury, he was going pretty late. I think he's only dropped maybe around, I don't say late, late, but like not early. I get the feeling that people were just so soured by him going, you know, 32 minutes for a week and then 18 minutes for a week that mm-hmm. people can't handle the the up and the down and so there's an impatience thing with him where at the end of it they're like, "Oh my god, what a what a roller coaster." Even though he was number 40 in 9 cat when all was said and done, which is a a beastly damn season. I guess there's fear of Precious Achua coming in there. Siakam can play center. You mentioned Birch could play center. Um, so there's a lot of bodies in that front court, but he did it last year. This is the sort of caveat to that. He did it at only 24 minutes a game last season when it all averaged out. That that was what I kept coming back to is like, am I am I really gonna buy that he goes under that and number? Even if he did, how much would it take to move him from 40 past 70 something where he's going now? That's even a, if he did go under, like he's going to be a year better than he was last year, and all of his stuff is in, is, is experience and skill and reads and you know like all that stuff. It just gets better. It, it rarely gets worse, you know. And so, like, I I don't know. I I would I would be very hard pressed to see him go under that number. Yeah, he strikes me, uh, just at least in like fantasy game-wise, he's not that different from someone like a Jaron Jackson Jr. who's going to go 35 slots earlier. Now, his minutes are a bit more locked into place, but you know, Boucher, 14 and 7, a little more than half a steal, two blocks. That is a bit reminiscent of, of, of a Jaron Jackson with probably well, lower scoring. Jackson's going to go through his shoot from wherever he wants kind of mentality this year, try to establish himself after all this time. Boucher did that last year where all he like is like the balls in his hands. He's like, I got to shoot it, you know? And <laughs> that, that is the reason why he had such fluctuating minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, because you don't know what you're going to get with him on the floor, but like another year he had big minutes. That was his first year with big minutes, you know? So he kind of broke himself in. Now he's ready to rock. And, and, and Achua, like I've, I've had the moments that everybody had where you're watching him play and you're like, Whoa, dude, that guy can play. But as the games get more important, you know, like basically the inability to do certain things on offense the flaws on defense, you know, they, they stand out and, and, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll backfill minutes while, you know, players are hurt. But then at that point in time, it's like, can you, can you go out and like shoot a unconscious three with like a player right in your face and you're seven feet tall. So, you know, nobody can block your shot and, and you've got all the will in the world to shoot it. Can you go do that precious? No, you can't. Okay. So you got to take a seat. And uh, and I think he's a good young player, Precious. But um, twenty four minutes, twenty four minutes, and you're definitely not losing on that pick. And that is your HB six. Everybody got it. They asked. They received the marvelous, Welcome the wonderful HB eight. When you guys are done. Oh yeah. Well, we'll. <laughs> there may be there may be a little special bonus in there, but uh, I'll tell you about that. We'll tell you about that later. 
We'll tell you about that later. The big dog. What does he call? What does he say? I say arf, arf. Yes, the great Aaron Bruski taking the hacks at it, as always. God, I love it. And this is why people want the Hootball 6 before the season starts, but you can't have it. Follow him on Twitter, at Aaron Bruski. Uh, go to Hootball, because that's your non-human baby, hoop-ball.com. Uh, and uh, Aaron, we'll talk to you in a week or so. I don't know what the hell we're doing it. We're doing it regularly again. So get Question used mark, to it, people. Yeah, yeah. It, it, get there for the get there for fantasy pass stuff. Both of us are doing stuff. Yeah, the very premium podcast Discord Q and A's. It's all in there. Get a fantasy pass, people. But I'll I'll hit. Don't worry, Brew. I'll hit him with the promo uh, when we're not giving yeah, you the rest of the day. I don't know if these guys have a problem with being hit with promos. <laughs> we've done we've done our fair share. He's oh, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Yeah, he's the great Eric Bruski. Brew. We'll talk to you soon. And there you have it. The Hoopball 6 slash Hoopball 8, which will include one of my favorites. You guys probably can just pull it from the D-Bombs episode yesterday. And one of Panda's favorites. Secretly, probably the best fantasy player out there that doesn't want you to know he exists. (laughs) He's the Wizard of Oz, man. He's a dude behind a curtain who could very easily be a giant floating head that everyone would willingly obey but he'd rather just hang out behind the curtain and never turn the camera on that's the great panda uh he is uh mike pasador if you want to follow him on twitter that's the hoop ball eight but this show was the hoop ball six i want to tell you guys about what to watch for for tonight and because it's the first day of the season i know we're running long on today's episode apologies you know it's the first damn show of the season that's just how it's going to be today i do feel like i want to kind of give you guys a foundation of what this means and with again slight apologies to those that have heard this before a lot of you are new every year to this podcast so the what to watch for segment or really the homework segment that we've called it in the past is and it's frankly it's probably a a bigger deal as we get into the meat of the season right now you're watching everything the homework is there's two bleeping games on tonight you should be able to just watch them as the season goes, and there's eight, nine games, like even tomorrow, you can't watch everything simultaneously. It's impossible. So it becomes important to figure out what are the main storylines that could impact my fantasy league. And those are the things I want to focus on. Is there a center that just got promoted? I need to find out if he's going to play 23 minutes or more. Uh, is there someone who's dinged up? Is there something wrong with a player? Somebody's on a, a big shooting slump. Let me watch them and see what's going on. So those are the things that we're going to pick out, sort of pick and choose a little bit as the season goes when there are big cards, when you're in kind of the dog days to find those. Because remember, this, this, this whole, the NBA season, the fantasy season, it all happens in waves. You get a wave where there's like, a ton of things every night, and then you get a wave where there isn't very much, and it's so critical to know what's actually important. For instance, tonight, Brooklyn at Milwaukee. First ball game. Milwaukee, by the way, favored by a point and a half, total of 233 and a half, no Kyrie Irving. The what to watch for in this game, the homework is Brooklyn. Is anyone besides Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, of course, 
and then probably Joe Harris, who's, again, kind of fringy himself. Can anyone besides those three guys carve out a consistent and legitimate role? Is LaMarcus Aldridge, like, the true starting center, or is his body too beat up? Is it Aldridge and Blake Griffin splitting time? Will Bruce Brown play 29 minutes a ball game when Kyrie Irving is out? Because last year, when Brown saw starters minutes, he was awesome. You know, a steal and a half a game. He was up around like seven or eight rebounds a night. It was crazy. Didn't score much, but you know me. I don't care all that much about that. So Brooklyn is kind of the homework side of this game. Milwaukee, man, that's a team you can just carve into stone. Assuming everybody's playing... I think they'll ramp their minutes up in Milwaukee. I think you see lower minutes at the beginning of the year after the short offseason and the title. But there isn't a whole lot of homework to do on the Bucks side, aside from maybe, like, what is Bobby Portis this year? And then game two, Warriors and Lakers, there's all sorts of stuff to look at. Jordan Poole, who Yahoo just moved up, like, 45 slots right before draft day so they could claim, hey, we were on Poole all along. You weren't, man. We saw we saw you can't just do that overnight and then expect nobody to take notice. And at the same time, they're probably going to overdo it because Poole, who's going to get off to a good start this year, he kind of has to because the Warriors can't rely on only Steph and Wiggins to get all of their points. His role is going to shrink fast <laughs> and significantly in about two and a half months. Otherwise, on the Warriors, I think you're watching where Draymond's getting most of his minutes. What are they going to do with James Wiseman? Not so much because of what we want to do with Wiseman ourselves, but what that means for Dre. Steph is an obvious one. Wiggins is an obvious one. What about other stuff? Otto Porter, is he worth watching? Juan Toscano-Anderson, is he worth watching? And then the Lakers, it's going to all be about gelling. There's almost no chance that anyone on the Lakers outside of Russ, LeBron, and AD has fantasy value this year. It's going to be a vast and disturbing wasteland of reasonable wings and budget shooting guards. So Kendrick Nunn, when he's healthy, not going to be good enough. Kent Bazemore, uh, Mello's going to be in there from time to time. They've got some backup centers that aren't going to see a whole lot of playing time. Malik Monk isn't going to get enough to do. Lakers are another easy one, like Milwaukee. The question is, will there be a buy-low opportunity on the Lakers? That's not something I think we can look for with the Bucks With L.A., Things are going to be clunky here at the outset. So will there be a buy low on an Anthony Davis if he doesn't get off to a good start? Or Russ, who we know never gets off to good starts with new teams because he doesn't know where everybody's going to be when he's making passes. And so his shots then become weirder from spots he's not as comfortable. I don't like Russ's fantasy game, but if he's, you know, piddling along at like a top 135 clip in nine cat, you can offer somebody a number 95 type of player for him after a month and a half. That would probably be worth it. Nothing you're going to do about that tonight, however. Warriors, there might actually be something to do tonight because, you know, guys like JTA, Porter, they're not rostered everywhere. Brooklyn and Golden State, there's a couple of things floating around out there. We may get some answers tonight, and that's kind of the homework assignment. Check out Brooklyn, check out Golden State, see what rises to the top here on night number one in what should be a very rusty and weird first night of basketball. It's never, opening night ever fails to let down. You know, we're so excited about it. We're just expecting this marquee matchups 
and then the teams are so rusty because they haven't gone against an actual defense in half a year. And please don't tell me the preseason was defense because every one of those highlights I saw you guys posting on Twitter had a defender whose arms were just sort of on their hips and the head turning and watching people go by. Nobody was playing a defense in the preseason except for Davian Mitchell. Davion Mitchell is basically the only player, and maybe Scotty Barnes. Those guys played defense in the preseason because they know that's how they're going to get their playing time in the regular season. You think, I saw a clip of Jordan Poole going by Russell Westbrook, because the Lakers and Warriors just played each other, and everybody's like, oh, Jordan Poole! I was like, okay, yes, first Jordan Poole, he's, he is going to get off to a good start. But did you see Russ on defense on that play? We just watched him go. Because it's the preseason! And only a you-know-what, gets hurt overexerting themselves in the preseason. So let's all take a step back. Preseason breakouts, rookie breakouts, all that kind of stuff. Patience is the name of the game. And my leagues are just too competitive. I don't know how yours are, but I can't afford to squat on someone for more than a couple of weeks, really. Especially the beginning of the year, when I want to get off to a fast start. All right, let's just get you guys into the games at this point. Hoopball 6, you got it, man. I am Dan Vespers for Aaron Bruski. Thank you, everyone, for listening all offseason and draft season long. It's time to flip the switch. We are in season mode now. Let the grind begin here on Fantasy NBA Today. I'll see you guys on Twitter at Dan Vespers, and I will talk to you again tomorrow with our first games to recap of the whole freaking year. So long. And good luck. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.